0: Let's check out what's going on on Twitch. Oh wow, that's a lot of fire. For September 23rd, 2022, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday replay, and explain why some Twitch streamers are pissed about their payouts. On Wednesday, Bloomberg's Cecilia D'Anastanzio released an explosive report on Twitch and its inadequate moderation of child predators on the streaming service. Over the last two years, D'Anastasio has compiled data on 1,976 Twitch users who have shown signs of cataloging accounts with child streamers on them with their follow lists. And accounts that have coerced children into performing sexually suggestive acts or actual explicit sexual acts on stream. According to DeAnastasio, 279,016 children have been targeted by the 1,976 predators on the platform. In July, Bloomberg researchers found that 673 children were being found by these predators per day. Twitch has commented on these damning allegations by saying, quote, preventing child harm is one of our most fundamental responsibilities as a society. We do not allow children under 13 to use Twitch, and preventing our service from being used for harm is one of our biggest priorities. We know that online platforms can be used to cause harm to children, and we have made extensive investments over the last two years to better stay ahead of bad actors and prevent any users who may be under 13 from accessing Twitch. Twitch also confirmed the quadrupling of their law enforcement response team and is working with the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children on this issue, though Twitch didn't disclose the size of that team before throwing out that arbitrary quadrupling claim. Despite Twitch's claims of trying to combat this issue, deAnastasio characterized Twitch's moderation tools as inadequate. Notably that Twitch has not demonstrably invested any time into preventing people under 13 from accessing Twitch, because Twitch doesn't do anything other than have you check a box when creating an account. In juxtaposition, YouTube requires users to have at least 50 subscribers and must wait a 24-hour period before they're allowed to stream live. TikTok requires 1000 followers and to be the age of 16 before being allowed to stream and Facebook requires users to connect a phone number and email address before allowing users to stream live. At the end of the day, this is horrifying. Twitch needs to step up in a big way to protect children from being groomed by predators on this streaming service. And just saying you're making, quote, extensive investments in combating this issue is simply not enough. Continuing on with more of Twitch's never-ending saga of controversy this week, instead of addressing actual issues on the platform, like our previous story, or hate raids, how long have those been a problem, or hell, the current debacle of one of their top streamers Mizkif allegedly covering up multiple crimes, Twitch instead decided to focus on the 70-30 split for subscription revenue that top streamers are contracted into. As of June 1st, 2023, the top earners on Twitch will be seeing a soft cap on their revenue split, meaning that these streamers will continue to make the 70-30 split up to $100,000. After $100,000, they're going to be knocked back down to the 50-50 split that everyone else is locked into. While this might not directly affect the average streamer, it does, however, affect the average viewer because Twitch is trying to spin their new ad program as a way for these top earners to make back this potential lost revenue, which will force these popular streamers to interrupt your viewing experience with even more ads. Which if you're like me and you have to sit through 2 minutes of ads at the start of a stream and then again like 30 minutes to an hour later, you're most likely going to click off and watch something else. In Twitch's blog post penned by Twitch president Dan Clancy, Clancy argues that the 50-50 split is a way for Twitch to keep the platform fair for everyone. Clancy also argues that Twitch streamers are making three times the amount they were making per hour than they were making five years ago. Which actually does have a little bit of merit to it. Twitch has greatly expanded its reach and community by diversifying content and finding creators that speak to more than just gaming audiences, as well as significantly expanding their sales force. One argument that really doesn't have merit, though, is Clancy's argument that running Twitch is expensive. Granted, web hosting is definitely expensive, but the example he uses is absolutely insane. Clancy argues that streamers who stream 200 hours a month cost Twitch $1,000 in operating costs, which equates to about $5 an hour in operating costs, which does add up to the consumer prices of Amazon's web hosting services. However, Twitch is obviously owned by Amazon. I can guarantee that Amazon is not leasing its own equipment for $5 an hour to host streamed video, so please, Dan Clancy, actually say what this change is about without trying to insult all of our collective intelligence oh man what a week it's been we'll look back on the biggest news stories in gaming with the friday replay in a moment but first with it being friday let's read a podcast review this one comes to us on podcast addict from lunar is Uh, you know what let's just call you lunar who left a five star review who says oh you guys are checking podcast addict reviews now great podcast with just the right blend of news and opinion for my taste. I don't follow the video game industry in any other major way, so this definitely helps keep me in the know. Also, as a gay guy, it being presented by someone called Nate Bender always tickles me. In the UK, this is roughly the equivalent to being called Nate Homo. <laughs> oh, That explains my trip to London. lot of things about my trip to london anyway be like lunar leave us a review podcast addict audible itunes apple Podcasts, all of them any of them leave us a review we'll read it here on the show all right with it being friday let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the friday replay many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Tokyo Game Show 2022 finally came to an end yesterday morning, and it looks like we caught everything that was going to be announced on the first day. It seems like showcases after the first day were developer talks and gameplay of everything that we covered on Friday. So if you want a full rundown of the announcements from last week, please go listen to last Friday's Let's Play. That being said, there's one thing that we didn't cover, and that's the Japan Game Awards, which ultimately starts off the gaming awards season. To start, From Software's President and Representative Director Hidetaki Miyazaki won the Minister of Economy, Trade and Industry Award, which is awarded directly from the Japanese ministry of the same name. Pokemon Brilliant, Diamond and Shining Pearl took home two awards. The first is the Global Award for a Japanese product, and the second is the Best Sales Award. Call of Duty Vanguard took home the Global Award for a foreign product. For the Game Designers Award, solo indie developer Daniel Mullins won for Inscription, beating out the two Runner games 7 Days to End with You and Needy Streamer Overload. Don't know what that is, and I'm not sure that I want to know. And for the final 11 games, TGS gives out 10 awards for excellence, though typically only one of those gets the Grand Award or the Game of the Year Award. The 10 that won Excellence Awards are Resident Evil Village, Sky Children of Light, Tales of Arise, Lost Judgment, Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Horizon Forbidden West, Ghostwire Tokyo, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, and Elden Ring, which unsurprisingly, Elden Ring took home Game of the Year as well. And rightfully so, Elden Ring is the best game to come out this year by a wide margin, and this will be the first of many Game of the Year awards that I'm sure Elden Ring is going to win. Overall, this TGS was a bit underwhelming. I was hoping for a lot more announcements like Elden Ring DLC or maybe even Armored Core. There wasn't even a Final Fantasy XVI showing, which is a bit odd, but I have a feeling that those bigger announcements are going to be left to Jeff Keighley's Game Awards on December 9th. G2 Esports CEO Carlos Ocelot Rodriguez f***ed around this weekend with notorious bag of s*** Andrew Tate, and Rodriguez found himself a two-month unpaid suspension from the organization. This all started during a celebration of G2 Esports' second-place win at the European League of Legends summer split, where Rodriguez tweeted out a video of himself, Andrew Tate, and a few others passing around champagne with sparklers tied to the bottles. When called out by literally thousands of people, Rodriguez decided to double down instead of backpedaling, tweeting out, quote, ''Nobody will ever be able to police my friendships. I draw the line here. I party with whoever the f**k I want.'' Which didn't go over well with the general public. 24 hours later, Rodriguez issued a statement to kind of apologize for his behavior, but it really didn't address the issue at hand. Rodriguez doesn't denounce Andrew Tate and literally the thousands of horrible things he said at all. And further, G2 Esports doesn't either. Both statements read as, I'm sorry I got caught and I'm sorry for swearing at you more than an actual apology. I would read both of them on air, but I can't stomach reading two pages worth of corporate bullshit on this false inclusivity that they're boasting about. So unless G2 Esports wants to denounce Andrew Tate, all of this rings hollow to me, especially when G2 Esports' form of accountability is a two-month vacation instead of, I don't know, termination. Bandai Namco finally addressed the leaks from July. Though initially Bandai Namco reassured the public that this leak didn't include customer information, that might not actually be the case. Now Bandai Namco is saying, quote, "...it has become clear that the possibility of external leakage of information related to the toys and hobbies business in the Asian region, excluding Japan, cannot be denied." which, to be fair, is a little faster than they handled the Dark Souls exploit. Bandai Namco's statement continues with, quote, Although we have not confirmed any external leakage of information or such claims related to the unauthorized access in question at this point in time, we will continue to pay close attention to the situation. We deeply apologize to all of those involved for the considerable concern and inconvenience this may cause. Any future matters and such like requiring disclosure will be announced without delay. So at the end of the day, this leak could be bigger than anyone really anticipated. And considering how slow Bandai Namco is about fixing issues like this, we probably won't know the full scope of who's actually affected for years to come. Earlier this week, Twitch drama that was started by streamer Slicker kicked off a debate on gambling streams. Now there's actually a ton of drama that's going on right now, but we want to focus specifically on gambling streams for this story. This all came about because Slicker had come out about scamming fans and other content creators out of $300,000 to fuel his gambling addiction. In response, Pokimane Mizkiff and Devin Nash held a discussion on stream about boycotting Twitch for the week of Christmas, to pressure Twitch into changing its lax policies on gambling streams. However, 24 hours after the initial threat to protest, Twitch actually addressed the issue in a Twitter statement, writing, quote, We'll be making a policy update on October 18th to prohibit streaming of gambling sites that include slots, roulettes, or dice games that aren't licensed either in the U.S. or other jurisdictions that provide sufficient consumer protection. These sites will include stake.com, rollbit.com, dualbits.com, and Robet.com. However, we may identify others as we move forward. We will continue to allow websites that focus on sports betting, fantasy sports, and poker. Which is a significant step in the right direction. Gambling streams have been a point of contention for Twitch for some time now, because these gambling sites pose actual harm to people who are susceptible to gambling addiction. And specifically, crypto gambling websites have far less regulation and therefore protections built into them, meaning kids who gain access to their parents' credit cards can do serious financial damage without even really understanding what they're doing. The hashtag TwitchStopGambling on Twitter has hundreds of examples of other people suffering from gambling addiction that started with viewing gambling on Twitch, as well as families who have been damaged by kids imitating the behavior that they saw from their favorite Twitch streamers. And many of these families are out thousands or even hundreds of thousands of dollars to these gambling sites. So while this ban on gambling sites is coming late for many, Hopefully, this will prevent the young and impressionable on Twitch from going down this dark road of gambling addiction. Alright, well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back on Monday for even more video game news. We'll see if Twitch is still here, and if it's not, we'll sift through the ashes. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd underscore RNG. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch, assuming it's not on fire, at twitch.tv slash LimitBreakRadio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening.